that. Song of Solomon 2, verse number 15. Watch what it says. Take us the foxes, the little foxes, that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Do you know if you get one little fox, it'll spoil the whole vineyard. Just one little fox. It's going to scrape up all, all around the, the, the root system. It's going to gnaw on the branches. And it's going to eat up all the grapes. One little fox. People say, what's the harm of one little fox? Apparently, there's some harm. A fox is very mischievous. It will make its little den and it'll watch and it'll try to get to that chicken house. It'll try to get into that vineyard. They don't roam. They camp out in the spot and they start hmm, salivating. And they're gonna make their they're gonna make their move. We had a fox last year. And uh Chase that thing away with a couple of 22 shots. I think I nailed them. But they will kill. They will kill for sport, not for food. I'm telling you, one little fox can destroy a chicken house, can destroy a vineyard. And you let a fox, spiritually speaking, you let, a, you let some sin lay wait outside your house, it will destroy your house. You let some sin lie waiting in a church house, it'll destroy that church house. One little fox. You know what you better do? Set a trap in the fox. <laughs> better be ready. You better be ready. Next thing you know, souls will be subverted. The word of God will be corrupted. And before you know it, you'll have Hillsong or Bethel or whatever it is that these folks are trying to uh, put off as something from God that's not from God. You say, how do you go down to these mega churches in town? And how do you, how do you walk in? And how is it? How, how come it looks like a bar and not a church house? How, how come it sounds like it's a dance club and not something that's of God? Little foxes, that's how. Little foxes. There wasn't anybody sitting outside with a 22 pistol ready to shoot that thing down. Now, I'm not talking literally. I am talking symbolically. We've got to be able to take out those little foxes because if we don't, they're going to destroy something. It's the little things. It's the little things. Little foxes, let's be... Let's be aware of that. Go to Song, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Look at verse 6. It says, at the end of it, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Before we're worried about what's wrong in the church house, we better take a look at our own house. Go out back and look in your own vineyard and try to figure out are there some little foxes that need to be dealt with? Starts with us. Starts with us. 
All right, so that's number one. Uh, little foxes, we need to be aware of that. Go back to the uh, flip back one book, probably a few pages. You'll come to Ecclesiastes 10. Here is an interesting verse of scripture. We don't read this too much, but in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 1, we're going to read it now. Dead flies calls the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Next thing we're going to talk about is a little folly. Apothecaries, they prepared medicines. They prepared ointments. And these apothecaries, great care was taking uh, was taken in preparing these types of ointments and these types of medicines. But one of the problems with the preparation process, they had to be very careful because they would spoil easily. And if they spoiled, they were worthless. They were good for nothing. You know what a dead fly can do? Spoil that medicine. One dead fly gets in it and it'll start to corrupt. And now that carefully prepared medicine is for naught. One little dead fly. And then it says, so doth little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. I'll tell you there's something good for the preacher is this verse. I'm preaching to myself. A preacher's character can be corrupted, not by a lot of bad sin, although, of course, that, would, that, that, that certainly can. But his character can be corrupted by just a little bit of folly. Just a little bit of folly. It's like a dead fly in some carefully prepared ointment. It ruins it. And a little bit of folly can start to sneak in. And a carefully prepared preacher. Let's make it more applicable to everyone. A carefully prepared home or family or person. Our character can be ruined by a little bit of folly. It's the little things that matter. Nobody jumps into grave sin overnight. It does not happen. But you add a little bit of folly times a little bit more folly over time. Now you've got a lot and that's how you end up in deep grave sin. A little fault, a little weakness can outweigh a preacher's greatest gifts from God. A little folly can outweigh God's greatest gift that he's given you to be used by him. Sprinkle that with a little folly. That's the warning. I'm telling you, the little things matter. A lot of times, look, I'm all, I'm all about, I'm a preacher that studies the word of God. I got a doctrine for everything. Okay. Some of them are way, way, way up here on priority. And then others of them are way, way, way down here on lower priority. It's all the word of God. It's all important. But you know what I'm saying. I'd rather have someone get saved than agree with me on Giants and Genesis 6. Okay. We, we all right. Honestly. Honestly. There's some things that are real, real high priority 
that we want everybody to get on board with. But you get a little folly that starts to creep into that thing. And your greatest gift can end up, the whole thing can be real, one dead flop. And this is the analogy in Ecclesiastes 10. And the warning is, little sins are the parents to great sins. Someone's heart, someone's heart checks out. That's the first sign to they're going to be going down the long, the wrong road. And the problem with this little folly is that we are not statues. We are living people. We can go and you, you know you can see a memorial or a statue or an idol, whatever you want to call it, of a person, and you look at that marble, that granite, that stone, and you see, oh, there's a little blemish right there. Well, you can leave and come back next year on family vacation. You go to that same statue and you're going to, oh, there's that same blemish. It's the same blemish, the same size. That's not the case with us living people. Because you can find a little, little blemish on yourself and your character. And if it's left unchecked, someone uh, comes back to you that following year, that thing's going to be magnified times 10. And then the next year, magnified by 20. We're not statues. If there's a little blemish, if there's a little folly, deal with it. So that it doesn't grow and become a big issue. Got to be on guard about these things. A little folly. Uh, it, you don't, you, people justify their sin. Someone says you're... You're, you're being rude. No, I'm just using plainness of speech. No, you're justifying your sin. And if you don't get that folly fix, you're going to ruin your character. It's the little things that matter. Don't be rude to people and then mock somebody that's got good manners as being too soft or not being too plain. Or There's a difference. And we got to be careful of these little things, laziness, procrastination, in, 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 uh, you're, you're indecisive. You can't make a decision. You're too lax. Uh, some people, they're too sensitive to blame and they're too, uh, they're overly sensitive to praise. It's like these little things, a little bit of folly that can creep into our character can start to ruin it. Now, this is in Ecclesiastes to the preacher. You know how many good preachers, I'm talking, they've got the gift from God. They can exposit the word of God. And when typically churches split or fall apart, the doctrinal statement didn't change. That isn't what split it. That isn't what took it down. Most of the time, it's a little bit of folly that grew into a big thing, and it's a character issue. Somebody didn't, I'll just the big threes. Somebody messed around wrong with the money. You think it changed the doctrinal statement? It didn't. You, you think it changed the bylaws? It didn't. They're the same, and everybody agrees. What happened? Character. 
infidelity. You think the doctrinal statement changed? The bylaws changed? None of that changed. Character. A little bit of following. Of course, the preacher, you know, third one is just some people, they just get this man of God syndrome where nobody just get too high on the horse and they believe the same thing. The doctrinal beliefs didn't change. What happened? A little bit of folly. And look, it's not that I'm not concerned about doctrinal things. You know I am, and I know you are. But sometimes we can get so enveloped in what's your doctrinal position on this that we forget about the little things. The little folly can ruin our character. Selfishness. You know, self-denial is one thing, but caring for someone else, bearing someone else's burden is a whole nother one. Can you, I can care for myself. Can you care for yourself? Now, let me ask you this. Can you care for someone else? Good night. A little folly. A little folly. You know what the ministry is? It's caring for people and loving people. You know what being a Christian's about? Caring for people and loving people. That will not love you the way that you think you deserve to be loved. Well, I can't believe this person. Believe it. Believe it. Because if we think hard enough and long enough and deep enough, we can come to a place where we can put ourselves as that person at least once in our life. A little bit of folly can ruin your character. We can preserve ourselves, but to care, we can take care of our wants. But to think of someone else's needs is extremely difficult if we don't yield to the Holy Spirit. You know, Christ was gentle and meek. He wasn't walking around the earth irritable at everybody. I don't understand what some Christians' problems are. Why are, why, why are some people so irritable? It, and it's not just New Jersey people where the traffic's crazy, you know, honking their horn, hey, get out of my way. And It seems like nowadays we have been in, in, infiltrated with just irritable people. That's not the way a Christian should act. Well, preacher, you just don't understand my situation. Oh, well, I bet Jesus does. I mean, they spit at him. They mocked him. They put a crown of thorns on him. They hung him on a cross. And he endured the shame. You're a contradiction. Us, sinners, contradicting the goodness of God. And he, and he died for us. Vanity. Boasting. Too much talk, too much gossip talk. All of those little things can become folly in our lives. And it's not a criminal act. It's a little folly. You're not going to jail for it. But it is a result of a weak and immature Christian mind that needs to get some understanding in an area. 
David had lack of self-control and it made a stain on his name forever. Aren't you glad? He was a man after God's own heart. Well, praise the Lord. I want to be like David in that part. I don't want to have my name in the book that every child of God's reading to get an example of, hey, don't do what David did. It's a horrible thing. But he had some folly. He had a sudden lack of self-control, and it stained his name. <laughs> Love of circumstance. The rich man, he was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. The love of circumstance can cause someone to end up in hell. Folly. It's folly. You got a lack of one thing, but you got a love of another. And it stains your character. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. You want some wisdom and honor? Get rid of the dead flies. Get rid of the dead flies. Proverbs 6. This is one of my favorite passages to preach to young people. Proverbs chapter 6, we'll do the short version tonight. Verse number 9. Proverbs 6, verse number 9. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. To sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth. And I want as an armed man. Many families are in poverty and in want because somebody's asleep. You know who rebukes the sluggard? The ant. The ant. Let's let's read. Let's read what it says here about the ant. Verse number six. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. That ant is working all summer, harvesting, gathering, and it can rest in the winter. You know what that, that's the rebuke to the sluggard. You know what you need to do, sluggard? Get up and work during the day and sleep during the night. People can't get off their couch. You see that um, in verse number 11, so thy poverty come as one that traveleth and they want as an armed man. Well, we just got done traveling and when you're traveling, you get prepared and your goal is to get to your destination as quickly and as safely as possible. There's that, I don't know, that emotion or that desire. All right, I want to get to where I'm going. 
Well, this is the, the wisdom from Proverbs here is, is, is that think of it as a traveler, sluggard. <laughs> that traveler is going to get to his destination. That's his end point. That's his goal. That's where he desires to be. And it comes quickly. And you're going to be in poverty and want, oh, sluggard, if you don't start paying attention. You're going to be like that traveler getting to his destination. And your destination is you're going to be in, in need of want and in poverty. So get off the couch and quit eating Twinkies and do something. Of course, spiritually speaking as well. Amen. That says, um, and thy want as an armed man. Okay. If I am traveling and I am unarmed, and I get robbed by someone that is armed, the man that is armed is going to overcome. So there's a little preaching on, get yourself a gun. <laughs> get yourself armed so you can protect yourself. But here in this proverb, God's trying to give us this picture of, look, if you're just sleeping all day, and you've got no motivation to do anything, you're like the unarmed man getting robbed by the armed man. You're not going to win. You've got no defense. So if you don't want to be in poverty and if you don't want to be in want, you got to kind of get up and go to work. you got to do something. What's wrong with a little bit of sleep? That's what's wrong with a little bit of sleep. Look, if you've got something worth doing and you've got something that's important for you to do, sleep don't matter. You only need six to nine hours of sleep, depending on how old you are and depending on what type of job you do. And I'm not talking about if you're sick or something like that, but typically speaking, we don't need more than nine hours of sleep. I've survived on four hours, five hours of sleep a night. Brother Kelly went through Vietnam. I'm sure he spent many a nights where it was an hour or two hours. Or The habit of always taking a nap and always sleeping, we have to be careful that doesn't become our downfall. We exchange laziness for work. We'd be doing good. Doing good. All right, Galatians 5. We all know this one. Go to Galatians 5, the next one. Galatians chapter 5. Does anybody take a midday nap? No? Okay, well, can't preach against that, then, I guess. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Sometimes I do get so tired, I'll just take. I'll just go down. I'll take a power nap. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about someone that just can't get out of bed. They can't get off the couch. They always have some type of sluggard reason. I can't make it. I'm sleeping. And that's going to be a downfall a little bit. Ruin it. All right, Galatians 5. We all know this verse. Number 9. A little 11. 11 is the whole lot. 
It corrupts and it infects. And it's a picture of sin. It's kind of, uh, if you think about it like a, a foreign virus, it might be from China. But we really can't trace its origin. But we know it's bad. And we kind of know where it came from. But it's real hard to trace its origin exactly and scientifically. That's sin. How did that end up in my life? <laughs> How in the world did that end up in my home? A little leaven, leaven of the whole, the whole lump. Sometimes we don't know exactly where the source is. We just got to get good at identifying, oh, that's a little bit of leaven. Instead of spending a year and a half trying to figure out its origin, let's squash it. Let's get rid of it. Because if we don't, it'll destroy the whole house, the whole family, the whole person. A little leaven, leaven it, the whole lump. How did it get there? From somebody else? An outside source? This is why we are called as Christians to live. I want to be careful of this. We are called to live a separated life. Here's the qualifier. Not an isolated life. Now, if you're real irritable, and people have been getting on your nerves. Maybe it's best you don't come to the outreach. Maybe you do go take a nap, okay? <laughs> because we, we don't want to bring you out there and just let everybody just have it. You know? Look, I have been there. I'm like, why are you not going to this outreach? Well, because I'm real, real irritable right now. And the next person that talks to me is probably going to get something that isn't Christian. <laughs> have you ever been there? Look, we're called to live a separated life, but not an isolated life. We have to live separate from sin. But it will be entirely impossible for you and I to become more spiritually, more spiritual if we isolate ourselves. In other words, if we go to a public outreach, we're going to be in contact with sinners and their crazy beliefs. But if we don't go, we're never going to be able to give them the gospel. Some families have decided that, look, the world is sinful. There's no church that's perfect. Do you know sin happens in church houses all across America? Well, see, bless God, I'm just not going to get in the ministry. Well, bless God, I, I just can't go to church because sin, sin abounds in every church. And we say that as if sin doesn't abound in us. No one is too spiritual for anybody else. Yet, we need to live a separated life from sin. If sin enters, we squash it and we deal with it and we get rid of it. We don't all go hide in a cave. That's a retreating mentality. I've got the indwelt Holy Spirit. Do you? Is his grace sufficient? 
Is his power omnipotent? Does he live in me? Christ liveth in me. All that. We have the power to live a separated holy life. And that is what God wants. Why? Because a little leaven will leaven up a whole lot. How in, how in the world did my teenager get into this? Well, because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lot. Talking to one of my kids the other, the other day. That, uh, uh, that, what, Dad, I, I seen this one, one thing with Mickey Mouse, and it didn't seem too bad. I said, that's pretty good. I mean, some of, some of them really aren't bad. You're right. There's really nothing wrong with a cartoon mouse that has a squeaky mouse voice that does things, and there, there's nothing wrong with it. But as the conversation went on, Oh, because oh, I said, well, it, it's not that that's so bad. It's just that what, what happens is Disney gets you hooked on something that's good. And then the next thing you know, 12 months later, you're running around the house with a magic wand. How did that happen? Well, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And so we're talking about, oh, yeah, well, this one, it wasn't a magic wand. It was a stick. And that stick did something and I said yeah that's the Hollywood off the holly tree they broke off the little stick and that's how they got into the oh what is that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump and then the next thing you know nothing's wrong with it you got a multi-billion dollar business and you've indoctrinated children to be more excited about Disney World than preaching the gospel to the whole world. Your desires and your excitement are because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Daughter says, Dad, you know, everybody wears pants. I said, well, everybody doesn't, but that's what the world wants you to think. So my answer to that was, I said, well, I said, you know, if all of the guys were wearing dresses and blouses, I wouldn't be compelled in any way to go to Walmart and want to ask the person at Walmart, hey, can you tell me where the men's blouse section is? There wouldn't be anything in me that would want to desire to do that. So we watch these old westerns and one of them, they're all made out of Hollywood, but Annie Oakley, I mean, I don't know when they made that, back in the 50s or, well, I don't know, I don't know what year they made them. But Annie Oakley's the sharpshooter. And Annie Oakley has feminine apparel. She's got a long dress on. And she goes around and she outshoots everybody. Now that's made out of Hollywood. That's pretty good, isn't it? Until you know what they start to do? How are you going to get women to get out of feminine apparel and enter into masculine apparel? Well, I'll tell you how. You put Annie Oakley in a pair of dungarees. Because all the girls are already attached to Annie Oakley. They already want to be a sharpshooter like him. What is that? That's a little leaven that leaveneth the whole lot. 
Now, how many of you have heard of a drum set? Okay. I don't think there's anything sinful with a drum set. I don't. They have them in the Old Testament. You know how you move a church into rock music? You put a drum set up. And you know what they tell you? Yeah, there's nothing sinful with drums. It's a musical instrument, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it's interesting to me that everyone that I have ever met that plays the drum in the church, they all play rock and roll music. I've never yet met one person that's playing the drums to the Lord. What do you call that? A little leaven leaveneth the whole world. I mean, honestly, does anybody here have a scripture and verse that says drums are sinful? We have a drum here. The piano is a stringed instrument and a percussion instrument. Because when that thing hits the string, it's a it's percussion. It's hitting. We have a percussion instrument in our church house. It's the heart of that player that brings out the heart of that music. So people come up with these spiritual arguments to call you a legalist because you think a little leaven, leaven is the whole. You say, Brother Jimmy, do you think that we're going to have a drum set in the church house? No, I don't want to bring a drum set in the church house because I know where it's going to go. I know where that thing's going to be. You're going to have some guy up there who wants to twirl his drumsticks. Next thing you know, he's going to start playing like he thinks he's. That's the way it goes. A little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. If you were to go down to the AMC, you know how many movies they have playing? They have six to eight movies playing. I have never been to that AMC. I don't think it's a sin to watch a movie. But if I were to go into that movie house and there's pornography, blasphemy, cursing, uh, spousal abuse, and LBGTQ uh, agenda. And you see me as a preacher coming out of that. What would you think? A little folly? <laughs> a little leaven? And shoot, <laughs> shoot the box, right? Yet hundreds, if not thousands, of so-called Christians in our town alone will spend hundreds of dollars a year on Hollywood movies. What is that? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And I'm talking about these uncomfortable things. Look, I know they're uncomfortable. But I'm talking about these uncomfortable things because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I don't think anybody's not saved if they go down to the AMC. But I think you're bringing in a little bit of leaven. And before you know it, the lump's going to be ruined. 
because you're going to be more excited about that than you are about the Lord. Find something wholesome to watch. There's a story about a man. Uh, some men were building a boat. One of them lost his hammer. By the time he figured out that he accidentally nailed his hammer to the bottom of the boat, so it'd be there the next day to work, the boat's already done. And you would think that the only harm done was, well, that builder lost his hammer. But as that boat's in the water and as the waves are hitting it, and as it's being tossed to and fro, that hammer starts to build a little groove in the wood. And then over time, it keeps hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. It presses itself through the whole board. And now the only thing you have holding it is that 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 piece of you know you know metal that's gonna that, that's gonna hold it, but the board the board has been worn out. Why? Because that hammer was left there, and a little leaven leavened the whole the whole boat. Now you got a leak in your boat, and the whole thing could could sink. Why? Because it was one little problem. And what leaven can do, it can wear out the restraints that are around us. And once it wears out the restraints, you can say one harsh word to a child. And some children will remember that for 30 years. A little leaven can leaven over. We need to be careful. On that, let's finish in James 3, and then I'll be done. All right, James 3. Verse number 5. James 3, verse number 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindled. That arrow gets shot, just leaves its mark, and someone moves on. That's like the tongue. It's a little member. Those harsh words can leave a mark for decades. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. Full of what? Deadly poison. Do you know on the opposite side of this, you can say a kind word to somebody. And that was just what that person needed to hear to have the courage to move on and do whatever it is they wanted to do. We need some encouraging grandmothers and great grandmothers and grandfathers and fathers and mothers that would use their tongue for the purpose of edifying. It's a little member, but it can destroy. 
How do you build your home? Kind words. You can say a cruel word. And the next thing you know, you just took the wind out of somebody's sin. Words matter. Each word has a meaning. And each word has an intended meaning. People mean what they say. At least at that moment, they might change their mind afterwards. But in that moment, they meant what they said. I want to finish with one more on a good note. Matthew 14. And then we'll be done. Matthew 14. Let's use our tongues to edify. Matthew 14, verse 31. The Bible says, and immediately, Matthew 14, 31, Jesus stretched forth his hand. These the disciples are in the ship. You know the story. Peter, he's walking on water. And in verse 31, Jesus stretched out forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Does it say that we are, the just shall live by faith? Is that how we should live our life? We don't need, we don't need to be like Peter, O thou of little faith. We should be living our lives with great faith in the Lord. Because when we doubt, it takes our mind off Christ and it puts our mind on what? Ourselves, our circumstances, what other people told us. Don't allow your thoughts in your mind, bring all your thoughts captive into obedience. Right? We know that verse. Doubt brings what? I'm afraid. Fear brings what? Satan has an advantage over your life and mine. You doubt, you're afraid. You're afraid Satan's ready to attack because you're weak. Let's not be like Peter, oh thou of little faith. By grace you save through faith and the not of yourself so the gift of God. We know that. Peter's out there and he's worried about all the danger that surrounds him. And it's easy for us. Okay, we're not out on the boat with Jesus and the disciples trying to walk on water, right? We get that. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to leave this church house. We're going to go out and walk in the world. Out in the world. Like there's not dangers there. They're all around us. We need to keep our eyes on God. Don't be worried about the dangers that are exposed. Because you will be upheld by the power of God. Stand strong. Stand strong. Look to God. And know that he will uphold you.